Welcome back to Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. It's been kind of a crazy week, and Chuck and I are actually playing a little catch-up with some of the movies that came out last week on the 10th of November, and we're also going to get everybody up to date with everything that has come out this weekend as well, or maybe not everything, but a lot. Um, Chuck, what would you like to start with? I know we both saw the holdovers and we kind of both saw the killer. Actually, we kind of both. <laughs> so, you know, I want you to start with the holdovers and I'm not going to weigh in too heavily on this one because I was exhausted. I had been up since two 30 in the morning and I fell asleep. So I'm not going to weigh in too heavily on that one. So, okay. and I know you loved it. So tell us about that I, one. I, I wouldn't say that I loved it. Oh, okay. You know, I, I liked it a great deal. Uh, it's not a perfect film. Um, but, you know, I, I we've talked repeatedly uh, on the show and together that this has not been a really good uh, year for film. I still have not had the, found the one that's knocked me out yet. Yeah. Uh, so the holdovers might just make my top 10 list simply because there's been nothing else. Uh and, and that's kind of a backhanded compliment, I understand. And I don't want anyone to think that, you know, it's a bad film. I don't think it's a bad film at all. Uh, but it's not as good as uh, other things that the director, Alexander Payne, has done. And it wants to be a 1970s film, uh, but it's not. Uh, and what I mean by that is that he's filming it in the style of 1970s. Absolutely. Uh, there's no special effects. It's all location shooting. I don't know if you noticed when you were watching the logos at the beginning were in the 1970s style. Right. I think he shot in 35 millimeter film. You can tell that it's on film versus digital. Absolutely. Right, right. So, and, and the cinema of the 70s with the uh, uh, American cinema was really a pessimistic cinema. I mean, it was really going against convention of classic Hollywood with their, you know, nice, neat endings in which everything turned out okay. Uh, and that's where this film falters. That's where it's not a 70s film, because even though there is a setback or two at the end, really, it does kind of end OK for everyone concerned. Mm -hmm. um, Paul Giamatti plays this guy named uh, Hunnam, Professor Hunnam, and he's at this place called Barton Academy. It's where uh, rich people send their sons uh, for a private high school education to get them ready for college. Um, he's been there forever. He actually went there as a student. Uh, he's burnt out. He's bitter. He's acerbic. He makes no bones about it. He doesn't hide it. His students hate him. Uh, he's, a, he's a curmudgeon, very much so. Um, and uh, Christmas season rolls around, and he gets stuck uh, staying or tending to uh, what they refer to as the holdovers. Uh, the holdovers are the kids who have nowhere to go for the holidays. And uh, so he's there. He's not happy. They're not happy. And there's one kid in particular played by, uh, or a kid named Tully. I don't know the actor's name right now. Uh, if you could look that up, that would be great, Pam, as I ramble on. Because Can I was really impressed with this kid, because this is his first movie. Oh, okay. It's his first movie, his first TV. It's the first thing he's ever done. Impressive. This kid's got his own problems. You feel bad for him because he's looking forward to a vacation that his mother has promised him. Mom calls him the day before and says, yeah, I'm not coming. I'm going to spend uh, time with my my new husband. His name is Dominic Sessa. S -E -S -S -A. Dominic Sessa, that's correct. And Thank talk you. about, you know, <laughs> uh, best newcomer of the year. That's this guy. He is great. Um, obviously, he's got his problems. He's dealing with, the, he's still dealing with the death of his father. 
uh also of course this kind of a rejection i mean jesus i mean how do you deal with that no um so he's not happy and then there's the cook played by divine uh randolph who we love oh we do love her she is awesome in everything that she does and she's the cook of the institution black of course in the 1970s and she's just lost her son uh in the vietnam war so you got three people who are very hurt uh, trying to, you know, move on with their lives. And um, and that's really what all I, I want to say about it at this point. Um, I, can I interject there for just a sec? Um, I love how you say that, you know, three hurt people trying to move on with their lives. Um, I think Tully is trying to move on and figure out his life. And I think Mary is trying to figure out how to move forward. But is, is Hunnam trying to move forward? Well, he's definitely stuck. Yeah, he's definitely stuck. I think he. But does knows he care he that he's stuck? He's okay. stuck, but I, I, I think he knows he needs to move forward. But I think he feels as though that opportunity has passed. Okay, okay. Uh, but he kind of gets, you know, some indication. There's a coworker at the school who seems to be showing some sort of romantic interest in him, and that's where I, I he wants to move forward. But of course, okay. well, yeah, that doesn't quite work. Um. The interplay between these three actors is the whole show. I mean, they are great together. And, uh, you know, Giamatti, we, we know that he's good. We know Randolph's good. This this dominant kid, he is really good, too. To be able to be on the screen with these two and not be obscured and, and go toe-to-toe with them is really something, especially seeing as how it's his first film. I need to need to do some research as to uh, how he got this part. Right. Um, this plays out if you've seen Scent of a Woman, if you've seen For, uh, Finding Forrester, this pretty well plays out in the same way. And I didn't mind that too much. Uh, the dialogue's good. As I say, the acting's good. It's very good. It's not great, though, because I think it does kind of cop out at the end. Uh, but as I say, in comparison to everything else I've seen, it it is, you know, kind of at the top of the heap by, uh, by default, really. You know, I, uh, this, this setting of a boys' school just, brings me to dead poet society and the wonder boys um two movies that i absolutely loved and i feel like the wonder boys still holds true um my husband and i watch that actually pretty often believe it or not i don't watch a lot of movies over and over again and this is not that um there is something about the the connection between tully and hunnam that just I just didn't grasp. I didn't, I, and maybe it was just the the narrative arc, the uh, the character arc for Hunnam just didn't take place quickly enough. I'm not sure. Okay. I can't put my finger on it. Again, I have to say I was exhausted and put me in a Barca lounger and I fell asleep. So I would like to watch this one again. I'm looking forward to getting the screener for this one so I can sit down and watch it again, maybe at 2.30 in the afternoon um and <laughs> assess it properly so that's why i don't want to weigh in too heavily here but um i i i just i didn't there was something wrong with that character arc and that connection that bothered me well i hope you do watch it again and you know i'm sure we'll return to this at the end of the year and then maybe you know you can you know after a rewatch, you mm-hmm. know give give a more full 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 review on your part All right. That sounds like a plan that is now playing in theaters. You can check it out in theaters. 
Um, and then we also need to check up on, or catch up on a uh, streaming film called The Killer. And that is out on uh, Netflix. So that stars Michael Fassbender. And I, I feel like a total loser here this week because I couldn't watch this whole movie. Okay. <laughs> I just couldn't. Why? I, I was bored to tears. I love Michael Fassbender. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him in a role that he's playing in the new Taika Waititi film. Um, but in this movie, he narrates a good portion. I think I made it to about 30 or 45 minutes in this one. And he narrates a good portion of it. He has the most soothing voice I have ever heard. So the next time <laughs> I wake up at 2.30 in the morning and can't go to sleep, I think I'm just going to play the first 45 minutes of The Killer and listen to his voice, and it will just lull me back to sleep. It is a, he's got a gorgeous voice, absolutely gorgeous. Very he soothing. Yeah. Um, he play, it's, it's directed by David Fincher, who everybody knows, and he creates some pretty amazing stuff. Um, and Michael Fassbender plays the killer. We never know what his actual name is. And he has a target that he is setting up and he's telling us in narrative form what he's doing and why he's doing it and his rationale behind what he does. Um, and he ends up taking a shot. He's the best of the best. Everything is all planned out to the, to the nth degree. And he takes a shot at his target and oopsie daisy that somebody gets in his way. Um, and then all hell breaks loose and Chuck, I'm going to let you take it from there because that's about where I quit. Well, you know, I, I understand your reaction to this and I am very much on the fence about this movie. Uh, this movie is about style, not substance. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's all about style. It's all about, uh, Fincher executing these precision, uh, precision, like set pieces, uh, in which, you know, uh, Fassbender's character goes and tracks down the people who set up this hit, uh, because we've seen this before, but that's what you do when things go sideways, because they're going to get you, so you better get them before they get you. And it's all about technique, this movie. It's very cool. It's very icy. This is not a warm film, and Fincher doesn't make warm films. And, and that's reflected in this character. And I also think it's a joke. I, I, I laughed at times once I figured out you know, they're talking how, how calm you say that the Fassbender character talks. I think that's kind of a joke. And when you listen to the, narr the narration, there's some really important things that he says. But as you say, he says them so calmly. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, OK, I got, I, you know, I, I think I get what we're doing here. Um, there's nothing really special story wise about this movie. We know this. We know this. But it's a movie about moments. And as I say, style. There's a great moment between him and Tilda Swinton. He tracks her down and she's one of the intermediaries on this thing. They have the a great expert. conversation. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the expert, yeah. And I'm not quite sure what she's an expert at, but uh, they have a great <laughs> sequence. They have a great scene. Uh, and, and the other thing I had a problem with with the film is that we can't get a handle on this killer, you know? We think that, okay, he's a sociopath, obviously. But he's married. He and what? he he's married and he wants to protect his his wife. Right. I mean, right. I did get that far. So right. how does a sociopath or a psychopath or a combination of the two thereof and DSM three um, have these these feelings and connections with someone in order to protect them? 
I am not an expert on psychology, but I think a lot of co compartmentalizing occurs here. Okay. We'll, and a we'll lot of it. justifications. I do this so that I can have that. Okay. I get, but again, I, I, there's, real, there's a problem about halfway through in which he kills someone that he doesn't have to kill. And then there's someone that he should kill that he doesn't at the end. Okay. And it makes no sense to me as far as this code that he talks about that he has. So there's a problem with that too. Uh, I, I guess the thing that really upsets me about the movie is Fincher is one of our great filmmakers. Right. And I always look forward to everything he does. I mean, he, I'm, I'm waiting for that knockout like he gave me with the game, right. uh, with Gone Girl, with Social, Social Network. Network. Yep. And this just ain't it. No. It's, it seems like a trifle. It's like, a, 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 you know, I said in my review, I felt as though I had consumed a meal of empty calories. I was still hungry at the end. Yeah. So, so it's disappointing in that I, I expect more from him. All right, there we go. That's wrapping up last week. And um, one that we both missed due to various reasons is Dream Scenario with Nick Cage. And I am so looking forward to seeing that one. Well, I don't say, I, let's not say we've missed it. It's not in wide release yet. Oh, it isn't. Okay. No, well, we missed, no, we I missed mean, the screenings for critics. So we did miss that. Right. But I mean, it's still only in like New York, L.A., Chicago, the bigger markets. So it'll get down to us eventually. But I am looking forward to that one. If you don't know what we're talking about, look up the trailer. Dream scenario. Cage plays this schlub of a guy who, for some odd reason, starts popping up in everyone's dreams. <laughs> and he a cool becomes concept. a celebrity. And I can't. <laughs> it's such a clever concept. I really hope whoever the made it was has a way to follow through on this because I'm really intrigued by this one. Uh, I, I, I quite agree with you. And you know what? I really like Nicolas Cage. Um, I loved him in Pig. Um, and I think he's just got, he's made a lot of really bad choices, but hey, and I loved him in the um, the in, in incredible weight of massive where talent. He, yeah, where he plays himself. Yeah, and that was hilarious. So the filmmaker on Dream Scenarios, Christopher Borgley, and yeah, I think he's only made one film before this. Yeah, he's he's made a couple, but not that I'm familiar with. So he did Sick of Myself and former cult member. Here's music for the first time. Okay. <laughs> I watched Cage last night, actually, in Butcher's Crossing, oh. uh, a film I know you didn't like. Didn't like. Uh, but I liked him in it. He's like, you know, he's like Captain Ahab, obsessed, mad in this. And I, I, I liked him, even though I was a little wishy-washy on the film. He's yeah. always interesting, even when he's in shit. Oh, he is. He absolutely is. Um, that's that is an actor I would like to meet one day. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a movie that we both saw this week. Let's talk about the uh, do I have to say the whole title? The girl at the it, when I went to go get the my movie ticket, the girl made me say the whole title. The Hunger Games Ballad of Songs and Snakes of Songbirds. Songbirds and Snakes. Thank you. Why did she make you say the whole thing? She was joking around. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> I said, I want a ticket for Hunger, you know, the Hunger Games thing. And she goes, uh-uh, tell me the whole title. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> you know, I, not that I didn't like the Hunger Games movies. I thought they were fine, but I wasn't looking forward to this. I wasn't either. I, I, so. I, well, um, this takes us to the prequel of the uh, Susanna Collins. It was, it was a trilogy, right? We had three books and three four books, movies. Four movies. 
right? Because yeah. they separated the last one into two. So this brings us back in time a few decades. I don't know how, how many years it was supposed to be. About 60 years. <clears throat> and um, we get to meet Coriolanus Snow, the Donald Sutherland character, as a teenager. Well, actually, we meet him as a child. And we see the, the horrors and the traumas of the war that precipitated the Hunger Games, the institution that they now have decades and decades later that we saw Katniss and Jennifer Lawrence playing Katniss in. So we're back, you know, 60 some odd years and we meet um, Snow and his sister and his Grammy. Um, I really like that character. I don't know why. Um, and we see uh, him as a teenager about ready to graduate high school. And he's very, very poor, but he's still putting on the pretense that his family has money because his father was the president of Pan Am, the capital. Um, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of you have read the books, have seen all the Hunger Games. So I'm not going to bore you with all the details of that aspect of it. But we um, we see that this is the 10th annual Hunger Games. And there's a lot of conflict at the Capitol as to whether or not people still want to have the Hunger Games. They find them to be horrible to watch. They won't watch. And they're trying to figure out ways. Um, Viola Davis plays Dr. Volumina Gall. Oh, my God. I loved her in this. She <laughs> She is incredible no matter what. But man, I just couldn't take my eyes off of her eye <laughs> or her makeup or yes, her speech yes. or anything. Um, and she is the game maker. She creates the games and, and the rules. And it looks like, is this like a reality TV kind of thing? You know, not enough people are watching. So we got to figure out ways of making it a little bit better. So we have um, Peter Dinklage who plays, and I, name of his character I'm, I'm, I'm uh, spacing on right now, but Peter Dinklage's character um, has to figure out a way to, to make this happen for more people, more eyeballs to be on the TV. And so he has all the graduating class come in thinking that somebody's going to be a winner of the Plinth scholarship with good grades. And turns out that, no, they have to do one more thing in order to win the scholarship. And that is they have to mentor um, one person from each of the districts and whoever wins the Hunger Games and is the most popular um, it, during the Hunger Games will win the Plinth scholarship. Well, they get randomly selected and wouldn't you know it? Um, we've got Cornelia or Coriolanus Snow. I'm going to stutter on that one. Played by Tom Blythe. Um, he is going to mentor Rachel Zegler's character, Lucy Gray Baird. Um, Lucy Gray has a little bit of Southern accent. <laughs> sometimes. And then sometimes, sometimes not. Oh, my God. Okay. So thank you for calling that out because <laughs> yes. I, you know, I used to be a speech path. So I'm kind of in tuned to all this stuff. So I think sometimes I'm kind of nitpicky about it. But um, Kristen and I went to go see it yesterday, and we were saying the same thing. So, sometimes she was Southern Belle, and sometimes uh -huh. she wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> That exactly. drove me nuts. That takes me out of the character. If you can't do it, don't do it. It's right. okay. We have right. plenty of British um, things, shows that take place in Britain, and it sounds pretty American, and that's okay. It's better than having a bad accent. Just act. Don't worry about the accent if you can't do it, you know? Or hire somebody who can do both. You know, there's a thought yeah. too. Um, so um, Lucy Gray is considered the songbird. She comes in and she is smart as a whip. She's um, honest and true. And she captures everybody's heart. 
and the Hunger Games start and Snow has kind of fallen in love with her and wants to save her. And yet he still wants the scholarship. He wants his cake and to eat it, too. Turns out the cards are stacked against him and and um, he's he's just in a no win situation. Um this in many ways, and I've, I've heard other people say, so I'm, I'm, I am copying this. I'm plagiarizing it. It feels like two movies. Um, I would exactly have been right. Yeah. And, and I felt that too. I would have been fine knowing the end of the hunger games and who won, who didn't win, who made it out, what happened and the end credits roll. Um, I think it would have been better as a two part series because the tone shifts the yep. style shifts, the story shifts, and I, I was ready to be done. Yeah, you know. Um, so that was I, I style wise. You know, when you're talking about a, a movie like The Killer that's highly stylized, this too has such a unique style. I love how they blend together the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, mm-hmm. maybe and and even 50s because they're old timey looking televisions. Yes. Yes. And and then yet it's still very high tech at the same time. So it's a blending yeah, this, of this, today's world or future. Yeah, this, this neo retro thing that they have going on. It's cool, yeah, it's man. Great. It is it's great. That was captivating to me. I loved seeing that, which also I was drawn to that more than I was to the story at times. But again, it's that first half of the movie or maybe even first two thirds. I didn't time it where um, the Hunger Games were done. We had a conclusion and the credits should have rolled. I have to say, I liked it more than I thought I would. Okay. Um, I'm assuming that we get that last third because we must be setting up something else. I guess. I don't know. I mean, there, there is a book. She, uh, Suzanne Collins yeah. did, did write this prequel. So it is based off of the book. So I don't know if she's working on another one where we, we go into the twenties and thirties of, of Snow's life and how he ends up. I don't know. I mean, you, you've got 60 years to take care of. So yeah. um, there could be like, it could be like freaking star Wars and we could have oh. three more prequels, you know? Well, I wouldn't mind. Because I said, I, I like this more than I thought it would. It reminded me of how rough these movies are. I mean, we had a, all those dystopian films and stories. Right. And this was always the best one because it was so dark and oh. dire and these people dying. I mean, it is. It's brutal, man. It's it, a little it disturbing. Is, it is. It is. But I like that edge to it. And it didn't pull away. I hated that the Hunger Games all took place in one arena. That got boring. Right. Right. That got boring. Uh, but you know, but this another you talk about the look of this film. I love that they spent a hundred million dollars on it, every worth sense it. on the screen. Yep. But another thing that makes this thing worthwhile is Davis. She has great moments. Oh my gosh, yeah. Dinklage is really good. He doesn't have enough moments. Oh, I I needed more of him. He yeah. is incredible. Did you notice like when he's talking, he can make like different facial muscles twitch uh-huh. during certain moments that just add yeah. such gravity to a situation? He is incredible. He's great. I might even watch and, Game of Thrones because of him. Yeah, exactly. And Jason Schwartzman is good too. Oh, he's hilarious. He's- He's he's the he's the announcer and he's either the grand he's probably the grandfather of the Stanley Tucci character. The right, other right. <laughs> and he steals every scene he's in. He is fantastic. Yeah. So those those three veteran people I thought were great. Ziggler's good, too. Even with the the wavering accent, she's got presence. 
You, you know, and and one thing I have a question about though, and and okay, so let's we're talking about characters. Let's go back to Tom Blythe who plays Snow. Yeah. What did you mm-hmm. think of him? I liked him. Okay. I liked him. I mean, he 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 doesn't. He's not required to have the range of everybody else. I mean, he's kind of he, everything's revolving around him, so he's got to be kind of stoic. I thought he was fine, and actually, okay. you know, I think the best part of that last third was him because he was allowed to do more. Okay, I, I didn't feel that he had the depth, and I I just um, I needed a little well, bit more from him. He's not as good as Ziggler, and every time yeah. they were in a scene together, she dominated. Yes, so, absolutely. So that's a problem. Yeah, she's incredible. And, you know, this was a musical, if you will. <laughs> it is a songbird. And I loved her her voice. It was almost like a combination between, um, uh, do you know who Alison Krauss is? She's, <laughs> and, and and Dolly Parton. It was like uh-huh. the two of them together, you know, in one one voice. Allison Krauss is from Champaign, Illinois. No way. Yeah, I'll I take her by not... her house when you come down again. Oh, I would love that. She is one of my favorite artists. I've seen her perform in Chicago a, a couple of times and at the Old Town um, uh, Folk Music School, I think it's called, something like that. Um, yeah, born and raised here in Champaign, Illinois. Oh, she did not know that. That's so cool. Yeah. Um. So, and, and with that last third of this story, there were a couple things that didn't, jive for me i and, agree okay and that that bothered me i'm like oh what's the reason for that reaction and why did that happen and that is okay we talk about endings of movies this was the end of the movie and i'm not going to blow it for anybody so don't worry i'm not going to give you a spoiler but i didn't buy it i didn't buy the yeah. ending any part of the ending from the yeah. cabin on however there was a great twist with the Dinklage character I like that. Oh, I liked that too. And I will say though, the overall theme I thought was effective that good people are forced to make bad, bad decisions. When you're, when you have no choice, sometimes you make bad decisions and, it, and you know, and it changes your complete character. Right. I liked how we see how he starts to become the character we see later on. I thought right. that was done well. Yep. I did too. I did too. Yeah. Um, so kind of a, I don't, I, I don't know, I guess I'm going to say that I recommend it if you've watched the other movies or read the books. Um, right. but if you did, you're on the fence probably. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah. 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 I think I liked it a bit more than you, but my expectations were low. So that's always good. Right. Well, I hate never and all my born put together seeing a prequel like that. <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> And that brings us to a movie that I saw that you did not see. And that is a movie that I've been looking forward to next goal wins. And this is Taika Waititi, who I loved and maybe not loving him so much anymore. Past tense, Um, huh? Huh? Past tense. Maybe it just might be past tense on this one. Um, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, I believe, was one of his first movies, perhaps his first movie. And I no, can... he did the uh, the the vampire spoof. Uh, what we do in the what shadows? We do in the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I didn't see that one. I know that one's one of my daughter's ah, favorites. Ah, um, it's great. Yeah, and she she actually watches the TV show that it's based yeah. off of too, which I find hilarious. Um, but uh, Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, I can't remember how long ago that was. Quite a while, probably 10, 12 years ago. And Taika has done an awful lot since then, including Marvel movies, maybe Marvel, maybe DC. You know how I get those mixed up. And um, there's a part Jugged of me- a rabbit. Hmm? 
Jojo, Jojo oh, and, I, and Jojo Rabbit was amazing. Again, a, a, to me, a phenomenal movie of that year. I know a lot of people had some issues with it, but I really enjoyed it. So anyway, he now takes on Next Goal Wins. It's um, the true story of a really horrible American Samoa soccer team who during the World Cup trials, sorry, you can hear my dogs <laughs> in the yep. background. He's uh, having a dream. I guess he's chasing squirrels or something. Get him, um, get him. <laughs> Get him, Charlie. Um, and he, uh, uh, this team lost 31 to zero in a World Cup uh, soccer uh, qualifying game. So we have the character Michael Fassbender again, who plays Thomas Rongen. And he is a hot headed soccer coach in the US who has just had too many meltdowns. Too, it's it's kind of like a Bobby Knight character, is what I equate him uh-huh. to. And um, he is fired. And his only hope back is to take a job coaching this losing team. And he gets flown into the American Samoa area um, four weeks before their official um, game for the World Cup tryouts or qualifying game. And you can guess that, you know, this is a ragtag group of people. You know, they're not very good at obviously not very good at soccer. Um, they've got a lot of issues and Fassbender has some issues that we're not aware of that we learn later that I think really gives you a lot of heart and meaning to this character. Um, the entire film is introduced by Taika's American Samoa priest character. He loves playing a priest. He's, it's not the first time. (laughs) It won't be the last time. And you get such an incredible sense of Taika's speech style his writing, his word usage, everything in almost every single character that comes on the screen. We even hear his voice through Michael Fassbender's character, which was kind of disturbing to me. Um, the uh, man, the the actor Oscar Kitely, who plays Tavita, he is the American Samoa Soccer Federation representative or president. Um, I felt like he was sitting on Taika Waititi's lap while Taika had his hands in the back of his head, moving his mouth, and he was a ventriloquist. And um, Tavita was the dummy playing, you know, u- using all the words. And it's a, a, he could have been his father. I mean, they sounded identical. Everything was like, I'm listening to Taika again. This was Taika overkill. Mm-hmm. I like Taika, but man, he has got a very strong personality, a very strong um, style of comedy. And too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the story is actually it's not just uh, Thomas Rongen's story. It's also this this woman um, Jaya, played by Kaimana, um, who is the first transgender mm-hmm. um, soccer player uh, to ever compete. And this is her story. And man, is she good? She is captivating every single time she's on the screen she fills the screen and Mm. you really connect with her you really understand better i think what it might be like to go through all the difficulties the harassments the the emotions the hormones the everything that that she needed to go through in order to be where she's at She's a star player. So it's it's a bit of their relationship and how that comes together. It's a, it's definitely a, a heartfelt movie. We also get a taste of what the Samoan, American Samoan culture is about. And I loved that part. Um, if, if 
Tyka's personality wasn't so strong and he didn't have to be front and center. That's how I am looking at this. It right. would have been a better movie. Um, this is a feel good movie. This is an uplifting movie. Um, but Tyka overshadows it. What we do. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I recommend it if you don't have that issue with Tyka or you don't know him well enough uh, to know that he's going to overshadow it. I don't think it would be a big deal. I think people are going to enjoy this uplifting, feel good kind of movie, especially around Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. It's like a family thing. It, it is. I think teenagers and up. Okay. Right. See what it's, I can't remember what it's rated. It's probably R. No, it's PG 13. So yeah, PG teenagers 13? and up. Yep. Right. PG 13. Yeah. Um, check it out. I think anyone who plays soccer is going to love it. <laughs> you have a lot of fun with yeah, it. Yeah. My, my sons are looking forward to it. So yeah. there is that. Yeah, I know my my son is as well. So um, anything else to wrap up this this uh, podcast, Chuck? Yeah, I want to mention the biggest disappointment I've had this year. What? Monarch. No. On what, what? Apple TV. Oh, no. It was you had the whole Russell to monster ratio. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, no. The, you know why the Russell to monster ratio is so skewed? Why? There's no fucking monsters. No. It is a colossal bore. Colossal. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Yes, thank you. I'm going to be using that. Godzilla and the other monsters are barely in this thing. It's 10 episodes long. I should have given up on it. I didn't realize it was 10 episodes long. They gave us eight. So I figured, oh, okay, it's only eight. Get to the end of eight. It's not done. There's, there's flashbacks there's flash forwards there's flashbacks within flashbacks oh, this <laughs> thing goes nowhere it is absolutely positively maddening the biggest disappointment i've had all year monarch the supposed kickoff of the new version of the monsterverse with godzilla an absolute bore bummer despite okay. kurt russell being there okay and, and you and know we love quiet. him but we do yeah but no, it is. There's one great moment in which uh, they've got the Kurt locked up in a prison. And suddenly a film starts, a home movie starts. And it's from 50 years, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And it's a film of his character. And he turns to look at the projector and you see his son's face projected on him. Oh, which episode is that? I want to watch that one. I think it's four. Okay. It's okay. really a wonderful moment. Okay. It really is. That and Godzilla basically eating an atom bomb. That's it. Those are the highlights. Okay. So there you have it. Skip it. Apple TV. Skip it with a vengeance. Yes. And plenty of other things to see on Apple TV, like the morning show, Ted Lasso, and lots of other yep. great things. So definitely worth your money, which is not a whole lot per month to pay for no. Apple TV, but do not watch this one. Nope. Nope. All right. So yeah, that's all I got. Cool. That sounds great. That wraps it us. That wraps it up. Sorry. It's, I guess I haven't had enough ca- caffeine this morning for Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. Check out everything, realtalkwithchuckandpam.com. You can find us on CBS 58 out of Milwaukee, Racine, and Yay. me. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy and be safe. Yep, take care. Hey.